Welcome back to Officially Unofficial. We are here with a very, very special guest. He's a former first-round draft pick, and he is the number one-ranked prospect for the Houston Astros, ranked number three for all right-handed pitchers. It is my pleasure to welcome to the podcast Forrest Whitley. What is up, Forrest? What's going on, man? Thanks for having me. So we just spoke about the the, the draft going first round, not a big deal, whatever. Um, you you have actually have a pretty cool story about the draft. You pitched in a high school baseball game the day uh, or the night of the draft. Talk about that. Yeah, so I was pitching in the state semifinals, um, and it was uh, the night of the draft also. And uh, actually, funny story, that stadium that I got drafted in is actually our AAA stadium now. So I played, like, a good chunk of the season there this year. But, yeah, I – uh, I got drafted in like the third inning. Um, I remember telling my dad before uh, the game that I wanted him to like come down and tell me. So uh, like I, I saw everybody on the concourse, like when my family was like celebrating, I was like, oh, something happened. Uh, so I came in, sat down and my, my dad came down to the came down to the, the dugout and like told one of my friends. And then he's still one of my good buddies today. And he, he in return, uh, relayed the information to me and he was like hey man you just got drafted by the astros and like at the time like i was pitching so i was just like oh sick <laughs> <laughs> so you so you were honestly i feel like that's that's kind of fucked to be honest is like just you being on the bump and then going to the dugout while you're kind of in like the the mood like you're in the game mode you're fired up you're dialed in and then you just find out you got drafted a childhood dream was was like came true describe that because were you in in your head were you like holy shit i just got drafted or were you like i gotta finish this game I was thinking more about the draft in the first inning, but after I started pitching, I didn't really care about it. Like, I obviously cared about it, but at the time, like, I was kind of, like, looking what was right in front of me. Um, so, I mean, just kind of finished the game, and then everything after the game kind of hit me. Uh, you know, my whole family being there, and then uh, just, uh, you know, reading everything about it and seeing all my friends, some of my close friends get drafted, too. It was, just, it was a pretty cool night. Yeah, and speaking about that, I just wanted to talk about how awkward that'd be. What if your team just got shelled in the semifinals and everyone's selling that you just got drafted? Like, did that happen or did you guys win? No, we won. I, I actually pitched pretty well. Um, we played a really good team. Uh, I threw I threw a bunch of pitches. I think I threw like 138 pitches. Um, so That's I good mean, for the arm. No, it was great. It was fantastic for my arm. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I mean, everything ended up being all right. Uh, but it was a fun – it was a kind of a fun situation all around. Yeah, and just talking about going first round, you're a high schooler. How easy was baseball for you in high school? And you could be a little cocky here. This is the segue that we like to get you a little cocky. Did you just carve in high school? Like, how easy was it? Well, my freshman year – my freshman year, I didn't play on varsity. I, like, honestly wasn't very good at baseball. Uh, I pitched. I hit. I kind of – I just kind of played because that's what all my friends are doing. And then sophomore year, uh, thing, that's where things started to turn around. I, like, started throwing, like, somewhere in the 90s at that point. Uh, so sophomore year, I pitched uh, pretty well. And then my junior year, that's when I started just absolutely murdering kids. Like, <laughs> it, got, it got to the point where, not to say that it wasn't even, like, fun, but, like, there was, like, we, I mean, we were a 5A school, so, like, almost the biggest. But there were some teams that we'd play that just like, you know, they weren't, they just weren't very good. They just didn't really have the resources to be like a good baseball team. So I'd have to pitch against those teams a couple times a year and just kind of mow them down. And I did my senior year too. 
Um, so it was it was for sure like pretty easy. There was a couple times uh, I played a team uh, in our district called Burning Champion. They were pretty good. That was my only loss my senior year. And then uh, in the playoffs that game against uh, College Station, that was the night I got drafted. College Station High School. They were they were they were pretty solid too. Yeah, and the thing the thing about you is, which is crazy, is I feel like you play JV, so that everyone's gonna. So you're on the JV team, right? Before I start this, uh, my freshman year, yeah. Yeah, so everyone's gonna start this. Like Forrest Whitley was on the JV team, so my son could ma- maybe be a first rounder. Also, I'm gonna stop that narrative right now. Your son will never be a major leaguer if he is on the JV team and he's not six eight or six six. Talk about that. So when you were growing up, did you like? did you have aspirations of playing in the big leagues or like you said earlier, just like, I just played it cause everyone else was playing it. Uh, I mean, the reason that I played as a kid is because my older brother played and my brother was really good. He kind of inspired me to play. And then just kind of met pretty much all my close high school friends playing baseball. I mean, we've been playing together since we were 10 years old. Uh, and then, I mean, I just kept playing because I loved being around that atmosphere. We had a really good, like, little league and pony league. It was all, like, right next to each other. And then across the street was the high school. So, like, we, it's pretty much just, like, I grew up at that baseball field. Um, and at one point, I left 100 yards from it, too. Um, so, I mean, it was just kind of one of those things where I don't – I didn't really have any, like, big dreams of being a professional baseball player. I never, like, dreamt of – of really being a major league like all-star or anything but i really played the game just because i loved the people i was around and i just i, I loved our situation there in san antonio and what was like the first time that you kind of threw gas like did it just come out of nowhere like you were just in grade 10 one day and then you just hit 94 on the gun or was it just like it kind of grew and grew and then you hit like 94 98 all that kind of stuff it happened fast i mean uh, I, I've been doing weighted ball since I was like 12 years old. And like, I, I worked with a guy, my pitching coach back home, uh, in San Antonio, Dave Smith. Uh, he introduced me to the weighted balls when I was super young. Uh, and it was kind of one of those things where I would work with him when I was young and we just kind of work on movement patterns. And like, I didn't know shit at the time. Like I was just a kid. Um, and then when I turned 15, uh, I started throwing a little bit harder. And then, like I said, when I got up to my sophomore year, like, it was like a big velocity jump. I think like my, my freshman year, I maxed out at like 82. And then my sophomore year, I think I hit like 93 once. Uh, yeah. So that was obviously like a pretty big jump. But I don't really remember there being like one time where I threw a ball and I was like, wow, that one really came out. And then like I got a reading on it and it was, you know, a good number. I don't ever recall that. Yeah. And speaking about weighted balls, you went, you're a big driveline guy. We talked about this before we recorded talk about driveline for you and the kind of, and the kind of help that it's made for your career. Yeah. So, uh, not that I have anything against what driveline does. They're awesome. And they obviously have a ton of stuff to back them up. But like what I was doing when I was a, like in high school was like not driveline. I didn't really know about driveline until I got into professional baseball. Um, it's all very similar. And like a lot of the stuff that I do now, um, a lot of the stuff that I do now is like very driveline based. Uh, because what I was doing as a kid is like, you know, it's essentially the same thing with the exception of like the, the weighted baseballs. But yeah, the weighted ball stuff like absolutely is one of those things where I would like give a ton of credit to in my career, um, especially starting at a young age where you're throwing in those heavier balls and you can just get more efficient movement patterns. Um, and then when you know 
when you get away from those efficient movement patterns, you know what to do and how to go about it just because of all the years of experience. So I can attribute a lot of my success to, to, the, to the weight of balls for sure. Yeah, and when you were out drive line, I think, I don't know if this is right, you lived with Kyle and Nate Pearson. Is this true? Yeah, we all got, a, we got an Airbnb up there for, I think we were up there for like eight days. So both former guests of the show, actually, and believe it or not, Kyle, if you're listening to this, I have a bone to pick with you, because Kyle, every single time I have a guest that he knows on this podcast, I text him, I say, Kyle, can you give me some dirt on this guy? I want something funny to talk about with him. And Kyle says, yeah, bro, if something comes up to mind, I'll let you know. Never lets me know. Never. I have never gotten a second text from him, him letting me know. I'm like, can you tell me something about Forrest? I'm on the podcast on Tuesday. Can you talk like anything funny about him? He's like, yeah, dude, I'll let you know. Hasn't let me know. And so, Kyle, you just know that you're on the hot seat here of me being friends with you. Besides yeah. the fact, though. Down because he has more ammunition on me than I think any of the other of my friends. So, yeah. Thanks, Kyle. If you're listening to this, thank you very much for that. And talk about living with Kyle, because I've Nate Pearson gave us some funny stories about Kyle, like just wanting to shoot random shit or just walking around the wilderness like he was a nature freak. Do you have any funny stories about him to fire back at him? Yeah, I have a great story, actually. The first one that comes to mind is from that trip. Um, and the, the place that we got was pretty nice. And they had one of those toilets that like shoots water up your ass. <laughs> a bidet a bidet it's called a bidet yeah. and, like nate had that room with the bidet in it and uh me and kyle were just like no way i'm trying it no way i'm trying it and like <laughs> we're all in the kitchen and like the kitchen is up it's like an upstairs kitchen configuration and all the rooms are downstairs and like he's a good ways away like if he were to like talk or anything there's no way we could hear him and he goes down and me and Nate, I think, are just, like, eating or just doing something upstairs. And we just hear Kyle just, like, scream, just kind of, like, I don't know what he said, but it was so loud. And he, he comes upstairs, and he's like, man, it was, like, it felt so weird at first, but it didn't, didn't care felt good. But like, I don't know what to think about it. So then I tried it, and I, I absolutely hated it. I couldn't do it. So so Kyle's the big bidet guy. Little little known fact, Kyle, we got you, buddy. We know you're a bidet guy, which is fine. Kyle's the yeah, Kyle's the big bidet guy. I think Nate's the biggest bidet guy because he was able to accept it right off the bat where Kyle had a bit of a an orthodox reaction. And but yeah. So Kyle and Nate both big bidet guys. Yeah, and you're not, which makes you a little bit a little bit cooler, actually. We'll we'll we'll, we'll label it as cool. The thing also about living with Kyle and Nate is, is, is that competitive factor that you guys probably have. We're going to, I'm going to ask a legit question here because like, we're getting off the rails, which is hilarious, but talk about like how competitive that shit got at driveline. You have guys throwing high nineties and doing pull downs over a hundred. Talk about how cool that was. Yeah, it was awesome. It was like a really good environment to be. And I love the environment in driveline. It was, it was badass. Uh, the first couple of days there, I burned out like way too quick. So like, it's obviously like, I think it was mid or late January when we went. Um, so, like, my arm was in shape, but it wasn't by any means, like, 100%. Um, I was healthy and everything, but, like, I just, those first couple of days, like, everything was being measured. Your, your weight of ball throws, uh, everything. Your, your, like, your soft toss throws, like, every single thing was being measured. So, I was like, oh, i got to throw everything hard. So, I go up on the, on the, uh, what is it called, where you have all the sensors on you. Um and I, they were just trying to get some data, and I like I, I threw like five fastballs, and I think at the time I had like broken the record 
for the fastest uh, velocity in that in that screening. And, uh, motion captured up as well. Um, but I, at the time, I had like the highest velocity, and I was like, oh my god! Like once I start throwing live VPs, like I'm going to be throwing like 100 miles an hour. And then once once the live VP started, I was just completely burned. So <laughs> I've learned my lesson from that. Yeah, drive line. The thing is, and also speaking about drive line, you hit 110 on. I believe it was a was it a pull down? It was a pull down, right? Yeah. That's that's what kind of made you viral. As a guy that personally hit 107, I don't know. I, I sent the, the Twitter video to you of me hitting 107. Talk about you going viral and hitting 110. How cool was that? Did you even know it was 110 when it came out of your hand? Like we're like, holy shit, this is gas. It's hard to tell with the three ounce balls because like they're just so light in your hand. Like the ones that I feel like I move my body the fastest and then my arm the fastest are never, ever the fastest ones. It's like the ones that I can just create the most to work with my body. But uh, yeah, that video went up on, uh, I, I think, I don't remember. I Oh, I posted it on Twitter. Uh, and I wasn't like expecting it to blow up or anything. I mean, I had tons of like, there's like 110 for a three ounce is like, it's good, but it's not like unheard of. Like people have done that before. Um, so I wasn't expecting it to blow up the way that it did. Yeah. And then Justin Verlander tweeted at you that little funny tweet, like with his radar gun, 111. Did he reach out to you after that? Like just taught, like gave you a little, some advice or anything? No, I just, I saw the tweet. That was at the time. I thought that was like pretty cool. I mean, obviously I had the opportunity to talk to him in spring training uh that spring but no we we didn't have any prior communication speaking about spring training i have breaking news uh this was actually reported way earlier you actually were invited to spring training as a non-roster invitee i want to be the first podcast host to wish you congratulations on that congrats congrats for us mlb big league spring training not a big deal whatever you actually pitched last year in spring training uh, against the mets research guy johnny junta how cool was that Dude, I, I think about that game all the time because that was the best stuff I've ever had in my life. Like, easily. It was the hardest. You know, like, I look back at, like, my TrackMan data, and it was, like, the hardest fat my fastball's ever been on average. The hardest my curveball, my slider, best my changeup's been, the hardest my cutter's ever been. So I always think back on that game, even though I gave up a grand slam to Wilson Ramos. Uh, <laughs> it, that, that stadium got so unbelievably loud. Uh, but that was, that was a really cool experience. I remember pitching against the Mets. That was fun. Yeah, and speaking about the Mets, you actually pitched in the Arizona Fall League with the with the guy, their first baseman, Pete Alonzo, who I run Rookie of the Year last year. What was that like? What is Pete like? Yeah, I mean, at the time, like, I mean, I talked to Pete a, a ton uh, in the Fall League, and we've kept up since then. I mean, he's a super nice guy. Like, he's super cerebral, like, knows what he's talking about. He's super stubborn in what he believes in, which is great. Um, but he's, he's different. He's, he's funny though. Like he's just a different guy. Uh, but he, he wears on his sleeve and I love him for it. Yeah. And he seems like an absolute like bulldog. Like he, he's literally a brick shithouse. Looks like a lineman on the baseball field. And in the Arizona fall league is when kind of you got your cut coming out party. Like everyone's like, holy shit, Forrest Whitley. Like this guy is a dog. W- was that the best stuff? Obviously besides that. MLB spring training stuff that you said you had earlier. Was that the best you ever pitched in like a stretch of baseball games before? Yeah, for sure. It maybe, maybe not the best, but it was like the most efficient game to game I've ever been. Uh, and like, I did like, there were some outings I didn't have great stuff, but I just made it work. But there were other outings like that first game in the fall league, uh, where I was just kind of beating guys with my stuff. Um, 
but for sure, I don't know. There's something about like Arizona that uh, makes me petulant, so I decided to move out here. <laughs> when thing when things are going like that well, and you're just carving and carving and carving, do you kind of keep the same pregame routine going? Like you listen to the same music, eat the same food, or you just switch it up? I don't believe in that. Um, like everything process wise before a game, like it could completely vary. Uh, all that matters to me is like once I get out there at the same time, I make sure I do absolutely the like exact same thing. But like before a game, like I have no like rituals. Like I'll listen to music sometimes. Sometimes I'm just not like vibing with it. It all depends on like the vibe of the situation. Like I don't know. There, I mean, there have been a couple times where like I wake up early for night games. I wake up late for like afternoon games. It just it, it's all dependent on how I feel that day. And I think that's the most important thing is you kind of have to just like adapt to those situations. Yeah. And we had Glasnow on earlier and he said, uh, Tyler Glasnow, he said that like he meditates and kind of gets in the mode or whatever, listens to certain type of music. What does your pregame playlist consist of? Do you got some little Drake, Wheezy, anything like that? Dude, I listen to some weird shit. Like I listen to like really, really fucked up music, honestly. Uh, <laughs> like nobody really not nobody but like i haven't met anybody that like really vibes to like the music that i listen to uh like on a very very like like there's like music that like i like that's kind of off the wall that other people like but the music that i like that's like super super weird that like i hide on like <laughs> like playlists on my soundcloud like the depths of hell like and it's like it's not. I mean, maybe somebody likes it, but I don't know. It's like it's, it just fires me up. But what like, kind of music is it? I'm like a day to day playlist. I like like EDM and uh, like house music. That's kind of like my daily driver. So, are you a raver? Because I have a bone to pick with ravers. I'm not a big fan of ravers. Are you a raving kind of guy? You would go to like a little a, a festival? No, I'm not a festival guy. I never have been. I have like really. I have like weird crowd like situation i don't like i don't like being in big crowds at all it gives me like weird anxiety uh, I've, I've been in a big crowd before i went to a logic concert when i was like a sophomore in high school and i like panicked a little bit just because of all the people it just made me really uncomfortable so i don't like that okay so if you're not a big crowd guy you you should get traded to the blue jays i mean we the blue jays no, don't no, get no, any no. fans it's like it's a close quarter <laughs> it's a close quarter thing like shoulder to shoulder like if they're just all around me like i don't care but like people rubbing up on me and like they're just right next to me and like exchanging like you know sweat words like it just bothers me i don't know and it also doesn't help when you're six six or you're six eight or whatever six i don't even know what you are to be honest six six seven somewhere in between there it doesn't help when you're that tall at a festival and people are all like hey can i get in your shoulders hey this hey that and you're just like i'm forrest fucking whitley don't touch me uh thankfully i've never been to like a rave or anything like that uh, not that I would be against the experience, but like just knowing how I would react in that situation, it probably wouldn't be the best thing for me, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, talking about atmospheres, what is actually the craziest atmosphere that you have pitched in, like even in the minor leagues or in high school, wherever? The craziest atmosphere. Uh, I mean, there was one. Okay, so this isn't really like crazy or anything. Like, I think it was just funnier than anything. I was in high A, uh, and I was playing the. Uh, uh, where it was in Kinston, North Carolina. I can't think of the team name right now, but it's the Rangers High A. And there was absolutely nobody at this game, like probably 60 people. And this is like a, not like a small stadium. Like it's like decently sized. And uh, 
I was coming out of the back end of a tandem, so I was pitching innings six through nine. And nice. I, I was like, nice. Yeah, super nice. <laughs> and I was like, I was pitching well. Like, I was rolling, giving up a hit every now and then, whatever. Like, I think I got through the outing, like, without giving up a run. Um, but there was just one guy in the stands that was talking so much shit to me. And it, like, just because nobody was there, it made it, like, it, Seriously, it was way worse than like, you know, 30,000 people turning against you because you, I just heard that one guy <laughs> and I remember it like every time and I'm just like, God, I hope in the big leagues there's never a situation like this because it'll actually get in my dome. <laughs> <laughs> what was he I, saying? What, what were the chirps? I mean, it was mostly just about my name. He was going on my social media and like clicking on the people that I tag and he was like, and just like calling those people out. He's like, oh, I bet you love this guy. It's just like. What oh, the I, hell? <laughs> he was like in Kinston, North Carolina, so he was obviously very southern. So his accent was thick. And like looking back on it, I thought it was hilarious. But during the time I was just like, oh my god, dude, shut up. <laughs> yeah. And being such like a high, highly prospect, not a big deal, whatever. Do you get roasted a lot when you're on the road? Because I'm telling you right now, I, I'm gonna be your I'm gonna be your fall guy. I will go to every game you pitch and I'll roast those lads right back. So you let me know. Do you get roasted a lot? I don't know. I mean, maybe I do. I don't really hear it. I mean, uh, I've had some pretty like shit situations happen the last two years, so I kind of get used to the to the noise in that regard. So like maybe I just like got used to like hearing it, but I don't really notice it that much, honestly. Yeah. Well, I, honestly, like. This is like me not coming on to you. What could they possibly chirp you about? You know what I mean? Like what? Forrest, you're too good looking. Forrest, you throw too hard. Forrest, you're too tall and muscular. Like I, uh, that's uh, that's not me pumping your tires. But what can they possibly chirp you about? Especially the Southerners with maybe one teeth, one tooth in their mouth. That all they have is minor league baseball. I don't know. I could be wrong though. I could be wrong. I mean, at that that point, just kind of let them do it. Let them have their fun. It doesn't it doesn't really bug me at all that much, to be honest. Yeah, and being such a big prospect. Do you feel kind of the hype that you kind of have around you? Because on Twitter, it's like a stroke Forrest Whitley fest. Everyone's just pumping your tires, talking about how good you're going to be and all that kind of stuff. Do you feel that? Uh, I used to look into it a lot. And that's kind of why I, that, that's what kind of drove me to delete my Twitter is just because I was, I was just looking into it too much. Um, and it's been so much better, like not having that social media outlet. Not saying that that's a bad app by any means, but like uh, for me, it was just kind of like counterintuitive to what I was like really trying to do. Like I really just needed to kind of like avoid all of that noise at all costs. And ever since I've done that, I've just been like way happier. Like because there's obviously a lot of good stuff that's on Twitter, but like you like if the, especially the way that the, like this last year went, um, there was just as much or more like bad stuff so um it was just it was a good it was good for me and twitter to part ways <laughs> yeah and it's okay if, if you want to like kind of scroll through twitter once in a while i'm gonna personally give you my name and my password you can just log on as me <laughs> no one will know it's forrest whitley but you can just log on as me and i'll be your burner account which i usually am for most of the guests as i always say and anyways, if you want to listen, if you want to watch this podcast, this is to the audience, just go to Officially Unofficial Podcast on Twitter and you can watch, look at Forrest Whitley's beautiful blue eyes 
and uh, my greasy black hat that I got when I was in grade 12. But that's besides the fact. What You played for a pretty good amount of like funny teams. What is a couple funny cities that you've been to where you're like, I can't believe I'm in this town right now? Yeah, the number one city that comes to mind is Beloit, Wisconsin. I think I think it's still the the, the Oakland A's low A team, but like the field that we played on was a high school field, like a bad one. And the craziest thing was I pitched there, and it was like one of the best professional mounds I have ever pitched off of in my life. Like, better than a lot of AAA mounds that I pitched off of. And it was just, like, so weird because it was a shit field. But the mound was, just like, so muddy. And I was like, oh, I guess they have to make up for it somehow. <laughs> and we stayed at this, like, roadway inn. So, like, it, it was essentially a motel. And it was, like, terrifying. Like, I don't even know if the door is actually locked. Like, somebody can just walk in and kill me. Um, one thing I loved about that place, though, is, like, the, they had, like, a breakfast spot, like, in the motel. And it was fire and like if you ask like <laughs> if you ask any professional baseball player about breakfast like that's kind of like a safe haven especially for like the guys in the minors like you find if you find a place with a good breakfast like you're comfortable you're fine yeah and now talking about the minors because you've obviously been through all the levels when you go up like every single level are you getting a little bit nicer peanut butter a little bit nicer food at lunch those kind of stuff and does it start at the bottom of the totem pole with low a uh i didn't notice a real change until double a but that's completely dependent on the uh on the team and like the ownership like there are some low a spots that are better than like some triple a spots and there are some triple a spots that are way worse than like some double a spots it's just like it's all dependent like for the dodgers every single place they're gonna have is going to be really nice for the most part the a's every spot they have is probably not going to be as nice it's just like it depends on how much uh, the the team is pumping money uh, into those minor league affiliates. Like we had a we had a guy come over from the Dodgers, uh, Andre Scrub, and he was telling us like, yeah, we got a million dollar budget for our Double A team, and our budget for our Double A team with the Astros was twenty two thousand dollars. <laughs> So you guys are just eating the bottom of the barrel, the leftovers at the restaurant. Do you, is it different with the hotels at least? Like, are you guys staying in nicer hotels when you're in double A and triple A? Yeah, that was the biggest thing I noticed. It, like once you're in double A, everything kind of like across the board becomes nicer. Um, the hotels in double A and triple A are pretty nice. Uh, the first hotel I went to in double A was Tulsa, which is the Dodgers double A team. And that's probably one of the nicer uh, minor league hotels that guys stay in. Um, and I, I remember, like, busing from Corpus to there and getting there at, like, 9 in the morning after leaving at 11 the night before. And I was just like, oh, there's no way we're actually staying here. Like, this is way too nice. And we pulled up to it, and I was just like, yes, let's go. <laughs> so, yeah, when you're a first-round when you're a first round pick, I always wonder this with first-round guys. I never remember to, answer, to ask this. When you, you get drafted, and then you automatically start at the bottom of the totem pole, and I, like I say earlier, I will not talk about another man's money, but you had $3 million signing bonus, not a big deal, whatever. When you're in the minors grinding on the shitty hotels, the shitty buses, eating shitty food, are you like, I could fucking buy this place, and I'm out here grinding on a shitty bus? Like, how much of a reality check was that for you to just go for, to the bottom of the totem pole right when you're up so high and first rounder? Well, it happens so fast. Like, obviously, you sign, you get, you get like, your bonus, uh, and it came in, like, two separate payments. So it's not like I got all at once. But 
yeah, like I got the money and then like two days later I was going to I was going to Florida to rookie ball. And like I didn't even have a debit card until like a week and a half later when I was in Florida. So I was still like using my parents' money like a week and a half like in Florida. So I was like but I remember like I still have the note from my mom when she sent me my debit like my first debit card uh with like my own money because I think it just said please please god spend wisely <laughs> <laughs> what was the dumbest thing you bought i always ask that to guys that get big signing bonus did you buy anything stupid because we need to know dude honestly like i haven't i didn't buy anything stupid but i, I mean i bought a car which was like completely normal i bought a, I bought a uh, chevy tahoe uh which i still have and i love i'm gonna have that thing until it dies um but, like, I never bought one thing that costed, like, an outrageous amount. I just, like, picked up these, like, weird collection habits. So, like, I, like, I, like, really am into sunglasses. So, I have, like, a ton of pair of sunglasses. And then, like, out here in Arizona, like, I've never gambled in my life. I've never played blackjack in my life. And, like, a couple a couple of my buddies, like, introduced me to it in November. And yes. unfortunately, it became a slippery slope, not, like, horrific where i was spending like thousands and thousands of dollars but uh yeah that was one of the things that like i wish i wouldn't have spent spent the money on <laughs> oh it's all right see the thing is i'm a big gambler obviously i love gambling i sports baccarat roulette blackjack whatever it is i've probably gambled on it and the thing is if you find like i don't know what that word is like a happy median where you're not like going psycho mode on your gambling and you're just doing it for entertainment I feel like that's kind of fine. So right. were you, were you like deep in the blackjack though? Like, were you like going to the like the table every single day or was it just like something like you just, you're not a big gambler. So it was kind of weird for you. No, I remember when I, when I, the first time I went, it was like poisonous because the first time I went, I won and I was like, Oh my God, this is so awesome. And then like, I went back a few times and I was like actually learning how to play, like when to double down, when to split, like figuring out all these things. And okay. Well, before I say any of this, like, to anybody watching this, like, don't ever play blackjack. The casino has the advantage <laughs> every time I've learned that the hard way. But then, like, there, there were a couple times where, like, me and a buddy would go just, like, on an afternoon after we worked out. And there was this one big win that I had where I went in with $300 and I walked out with 2800 And I was like, oh, my God, like, I have so much money to go back. And uh I only went back once with 500 and I think I lost it. And then like, after that, I, I think I've been back twice and broke even or lost 50 to a hundred dollars. But, uh, there, there hasn't really been a ton of like significant loss, which is great. And I tried to stop that before it eventually occurred. <laughs> yeah. And I'll, and, and I feel like you'll, once you get to the big leagues, like you'll, you'll see kind of guys like that. Cause I've heard stories about big leaguers that like go to the Chino and they are like, a hundred thousand dollars they're bringing which i guess if you're a multi-millionaire like harper or trout or whatever a hundred thousand dollars is literally pocket change to you but when you're doing it in the minor leagues man it's kind of difficult because right. you're literally making penny change right mm -hmm. yeah that's right uh yeah i've heard stories about you know big poker tournaments going on and flights um from city to city but that's pretty much like the extent of it i don't know how much like i'll gamble once Maybe I like sign a big deal or something. We'll see what the future holds. But uh, obviously, you know, things are subject to change, I guess. <laughs> exactly. So uh, honestly, if I recommend it for you, don't even play blackjack. Just play 
uh, Crops or ba- or Baccarat, which are the two yeah. games with the best odds, obviously. Yeah, they, they don't have that in the, at the casinos in Arizona. Like, you're pretty much just kind of bound to blackjack, so... That's how they get you. That's how they get you. All, all that matters if, if you're not into the sports gambling, gambling on NFL, because that's where you take most of the hit. Yeah, I've never, I've never gambled on sports. Like, I, the only fantasy sports I've ever played was golf, fantasy golf, uh, and I didn't like take away any money on that. So, yeah. And let's go back to baseball here. You were just ranked, like I stated earlier, the third right, third ranked in all of baseball right-handed pitching prospects. Is that something that you kind of look at? You just kind of because it was all over Instagram too. Because you have Instagram, is was that something you're like, holy shit, like I'm third in all of baseball? I was pissed, honestly. <laughs> you were one but, last year, I believe, right? Yeah, I used to be number one. Now number three. I mean, I was like. <laughs> uh, but that's what happens when you have a seven nine nine ERA on the year. So, well, hey, let me give you let me give you some advice for a guy. I talk about this all the time, so people, you could you could fast forward this. I was one of the shittiest JUCO hitters of of maybe our generation because we're both ninety seven babies. So all you got to do is just bounce back the next year. And I thought I had it all figured out the next year for my baseball career. Then I hit one sixty. I went from. 150 to 160. So there's always a room for improvement, a room for a jump. But at the end of the day, you still have that raw ability, and you you kind of suffered from injuries and all that, right? So there's kind of a, not an excuse, but something that kind of makes sense. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I I I learned from you know all the shit things that happened this year, and uh, just you know take all those lessons and you know into the 2020 season and you know see what you can do with them. But I. I have all the confidence in the world in my ability, and uh, I'm not like actually like offended by that like rankings, whatever. It's all like it's all relative, anyways. Like the two guys, it, all ten of those guys could like interchange for however the top ten. Yeah. Like everybody's talented in, in some regard, and uh, so it's just it, all that matters is like how our careers end up, anyways. So yeah. It, it, in the end of the day, the rankings don't matter. Yeah, it it really doesn't matter because at the like the crazy thing about that is is the lucky thing for you honestly is the fact that you kind of went through these struggles in AAA and not in the big leagues. In the big leagues they have a short fuse, right? They'll send you down ASAP. If you go through these struggles in AAA and you're kind of like, okay, this is what I have to fix, this is what I have to work on, and then you kind of take that towards Major League Baseball, then you'll be more successful, I think, in my opinion. But I'm not smart though. Yeah, no, that's that's in, that's entirely the truth. Like this last year was like truthfully the only like real. Uh, baseball adversity that I'd had in my entire life uh, so had to get that out of the way and uh, try to crack a big league roster this year yeah what was going like wrong for you though like did you feel this year were you just not locating well or was it just like they were just you were just finding barrels yeah I mean I was just walking guys and then they would hit a home run with three guys on a couple times a game so there was a there was a there was kind of an element of uh, of being pretty unlucky. Uh, I like looking at some of my advanced stats. Like there was like some very unlucky situations where like there was like a bleeder through the infield, a hit through the shift, like a misplayed ball in the outfield, and then like a big double was hit. And like that happened quite a bit, but that didn't excuse like anything that actually happened because I was giving up some absolute nukes and I was getting barreled like quite a bit, and then I was like given a bunch of free passes. So, like, comboed with me being extremely unlucky, I just wasn't throwing the ball all that well. But I think, like, if you look at the stats from AAA, I think they're, like, 
they're really blown out of proportion, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I, I'm going to back you up on that too. So anyone that comes on you on Twitter and says you did bad last year, you're dead. You're 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 going to hear from Johnny Junta on Twitter. Um, and also talking about that is if you ever need a confidence boost, Forrest, just fly me down. I'll get five abs against you. You'll carve, probably strike me out five times, and then Forrest Whitley's right back in the in the driver's seat. <laughs> Luckily, we have a lot of pitchers down here in Arizona. I was put one of their asses in the box. I know they did. <laughs> Okay, so you're saying a major league pitcher is a better hitter than I am. That's cool. That's a little bit of a jab at me, which is fine. Which is completely fine. That's cool. <laughs> and talking about that also is, is do you think you can get in the batter's box and, and swing the bat a little bit or no? I tried uh, at the end of the year this year, but I, like, I never really swung a bat, like, since my sophomore or junior high school. And I've been swinging a golf club so much the last, like, four years that, like, I gripped it like a golf club, and I tried to, like, I just couldn't figure out, like, the actual, like, swing component, like, with a baseball bat. Like, all I wanted to do is swing it like a golf club. So, the the, the box is not for me. <laughs> the box. So, speaking of, let's speak about golf, Ben. So, what what are you like on the golf course? Are you like a little scratch golfer, or are you in the 90s to 100s? Today, I shot 83 at a pretty challenging course. And then yesterday, I shot 82 at an easy course. Uh, so, I mean, those are good scores for me. I kind of zoomed it on a couple holes, though. Uh, during the year, I was able to get, like, a string of, like, 70s together. Uh, I think last month I shot a 73 with Zach Gallon, so he can back me up on that. Uh, we'll correct it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, but... I mean, it all, it's all dependent. Like, I could go out there and shoot a 73, but the next day I could go out there and shoot a 96. I'm just, like, not consistent enough. I started playing golf when I was, like, 17 or 18 years old. So uh, I'm just trying to, like, find the reps and, and play as much as I can so I can get better. Okay, so once this podcast gets bigger, I'm going to formally – this is my invite to you right here. We're going to do the officially unofficial invitational. Winner gets a 24-pack of White Claws. You're the first invitee. We'll figure out the rest of them, but we'll, we'll have to figure that out sooner than later. I'm down. I'm down. I'm always down to golf anytime, anywhere. All right, I'll take you up on that because I, I, I'm telling you right now, I might be going to spring training this year. Well, stay tuned. I don't know. I don't know if it's in the budget. I might have to drive down on the Hyundai Sonata. We'll be in the golf capital of the United States, close to Jupiter. So, um, if you want to hit them, like I said, I'm always down, brother. No, I'm gonna take that as an invitation to. I'll I'll stay in your bathroom. I'll like in spring trade. I'll just stay in the bathroom, make small sure the bathroom. house I'll is clean. In the hotel, man. It's a small bathroom. That, no, that's fine. That's fine. I just need a pl- I just need a tile to sleep on. Give me a tile, and I'll just stay down there. It's experience spring training with the big boys. And let's talk about spring training also. So spring training, you're going there this year as, uh, as a non-roster invitee. So you have to leave soon, I believe, right? Yeah. So I'm gonna leave here. I'm gonna leave Phoenix uh, sometime at the end of this weekend, uh, and then I'm gonna be in Texas for a few days, and then I'm gonna fly out to Florida the seventh, I believe. Okay. And how are you? Is there a little bit of nerves going into this, or is it just like fuck it? I'm Forrest Whitley. <laughs> it's. There's there's no nerves. I'm not nervous at all. I'm just gonna go throw a ball on a dirt hill and see if I can do it well. No, I, I'm gonna be updating the officially unofficial crowd on the stats every start. So you gotta let me know actually because I I can't follow like spring training stats because there's five million names on the box score. So just uh, let me know when you're on the mound. I will, man. Uh, and hopefully it's it's uh, 
it's good stuff too. In spring training, like obviously you said you've talked to Justin Verlander. What are a couple other guys that you've kind of chatted it up with in the Astro system or wherever that you're kind of like, this guy's like, I'm talking to Justin Verlander right now. Something kind of like that. There was never, I don't really ever get starstruck by, this is, okay, I, this is a funny thing to say. I've never been starstruck by a baseball player. I could go see Mike Trout and just be like, oh, it's Mike Trout. But I walked into the men's locker room at the golf club that I played at today, and I saw Ricky Fowler, and I thought I was going to fucking pass out. <laughs> how, how, how good looking is he in person? Like, were you guys alphaing each other, just staring each other down the room? No, I literally just walked right by him, and I sat down at my table, and I was just kind of like, <laughs> still there. <laughs> it, was, it was badass. It was so cool to see him in person. You should have honestly kind of bi- like big league yourself. Should have been like, "Yo, like that was a tough seventy-two I shot today." And then Ricky looks behind, like, "Holy shit, this guy's six-six shot a 72. I would, I would. Oh man, I wish I had the balls for that. <laughs> <laughs> so you're obviously this golf course you golf at today was pretty pristine. If Ricky Fowler's just chilling in the clubhouse. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was one of the better places out here in Arizona. It's called Whisper Rock. Um, I think they have like thirty or so tour guys that are members out there. So they have a bunch of guys kind of filtering through, but it's uh, it's it's a pretty neat spot, man. It's it was a real treat to play today. And this week weekend, actually, you told me you're going to the Waste Management Open. I believe is that something that you do every year? No, this is my first time. Who are you more? Who are you most excited to see on the tee box? Dude, honestly, I haven't like I haven't looked at the field at all. Uh, but I mean, I'd say Phil. Just because he's out, he's from, or he's from California, but he lives out here in Scottsdale. Um, so, I mean, probably that guy, Ricky. Uh, there will probably be a few other guys that I'll be excited to see, but I honestly just haven't really looked at the field. Yeah, and 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 I this is completely off topic what we're talking about. I want to talk about Instagram for a second because obviously, like I said earlier, I pumped your tires. I said your your man missile status, which same as Kyle Muller. If you're listening to this, we're still friends, but just know we're on rough rough ground right now. What are your DMs like? Because I need to know. They have to be just. I, you have a girlfriend, obviously, so we're not talking about females. Maybe we will a little bit. Are they full of old guys asking for signed jock straps, signed socks, or some shit, or what is it like? I'd say like one out of every twenty is super weird, but the, for the most part, the rest of them are just like kids or autograph people asking for for autographs. Um, I'm, unfortunately, I wish I could answer this in like a super fun fashion, but like I haven't really gotten any like crazy DMs. Like I've heard some guys get some crazy shit, but I haven't had like any of that happen, honestly. What's the craziest shit you've heard a guy here? You've heard a guy get? I, I I need to know now. You mentioned it. Oh man, what, what, I think when oh Corbin Martin, he was with the Astros. I remember he uh, when he got called up, he was telling me that he had over like a hundred girls like DM him or something after his debut, and I was like, that's just absolutely absurd. Like, <laughs> it's crazy. That's legendary, man. It's crazy. The thing is, though, is like most of the big leaguers here, like that I get on this podcast, are like girls don't DM me. I had, I'm like, come on, bro. There has to be girls DMing you and all that kind of stuff. Uh, every once in a while, but I mean, obviously, there's really nothing I can do about it. I have a girlfriend, and there wouldn't really be anything that I'd want to do about it, anyways. So, congrats on that, by the way. Congrats on having a girlfriend. Good for you. I'm proud of you. I better come to the wedding. If there is a wedding, I'm telling you right now, I'll MC it. Well, we'll 
we'll see about that. I don't know how soon or later it's going to be, but uh, yeah, we'll see what the future holds. Just don't do the cliche like you win the World Series and then propose to her. Like, I'm sorry, Correa, but that was the, the clingiest shit I've ever seen in my life. Way to make the moment about you. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, everybody's different in the way they want to do it. Um, but I'm definitely going to try to keep it out of the spotlight as much as possible for sure. Yeah, and there's a fun fact about you also last year. Last year in spring training, you were one off of the greatest number in sports, 69. You were number 68. Yeah. Did, did you look at the jersey you're like, ah, I'm so close to the greatest number of all time? No, because, I mean, J.D. Bukowski is one of my best friends, and he had it. Um, <laughs> so me, I mean, me, Corbin, and J.B. are, like, all, like, best friends. Uh, and we were, about, we were all 67, 68, and 69. Uh, so I was obviously kind of upset that I didn't have 69, but it was a good person. <laughs> No, if you, the thing is, you got to get a guy that's going to embrace it. So is, is he the kind of guy that, that embraced the number and took the jokes? For sure. He didn't care. He probably loved it. <laughs> and in, obviously in the season, you're number 26. Is there like a significance behind that number? Yeah, it was my brother's number. Okay, so you look up, you, you look up to your brother. He's obviously a legend. Well, at the time when I was a kid and then everything just kind of stuck. I mean, he didn't even play college baseball or anything. Uh, but he was just a guy that I always looked up to when I was like a really little kid. And to be honest, I just like the number 26. I think it's like an appealing looking number. So, and it's available now. So we'll see. Yeah, it, it is available now. And can, can we incorporate like kind of a strut after you strike a guy out this year? Like just a little strut, like a little pimp job, maybe. Dude, it's hard for me. Cause I'm such a, I'm such not like a me guy out in the field. Like I just kind of want to be as inconspicuous as possible, but also just like, also be a good pitcher uh but like i don't really like showing a hitter up i just think it's really disrespectful uh because their job is hard as hell and i'm supposed to strike them out like that's just how it works um so for my like opinion on it is like i've never been a fan of when like pitchers are like stare down hitters like i never thought that was like badass i think it was just super standoffish and it, and it gave it gives like it just gives so much tension and causes so much tension during the game. Like it could cause like some problems and then your guys get hit and then it all comes back to you just being like an asshole. Yeah. So, uh, I never, I, I, I'm just like, I don't like being standoffish or I don't ever want like a hitter to think I'm like crossing them. I just like want to play the game and like try to get the guy out and like, you know, hopefully be friends with that guy later. Cause like he might be my, yeah, and the thing the thing about pitchers is that it kind of pisses me off is they'll pimp a strikeout and then do nothing about it. Like, the only guy that I'll ever respect is my friend, former, obviously, a guest on the podcast, Amir Garrett. He showed what those hands were talking about. If you're going to if you're gonna be that kind of guy that's kind of cocky on the mound and a bulldog on the mound, then do it. So yeah. that, that's that's my standpoint on it. Yeah, for sure. Like, he, uh, he is on the complete other side of the spectrum where he was super – he, like, I mean, I've watched him pitch. He's like – super consistent with his attitude it doesn't fluctuate and then he went up himself and threw hands so yeah that's like 100 percent respect like on that 100 percent. yeah that's why amir amir you're listening to this you're the goat obviously i tell you this all the time when i'm talking to you you're the goat but would you get in a bench clearing brawl for us because i need to know this i need to know if i if i'll take you to battle with me you gotta catch me at the right mood you gotta catch me when i'm pissed off Okay. I, it rarely happens where I'm in a very aggressive mood, but I think if you caught me in the aggressive mood, you'd want me on your team. 
Okay, I respect that. I, I I would definitely respect the reach just based on the fact that you're eight. In- Take this in. You are ten inches taller than I am. Like people forget that, but I, but that, that's cool though. So you have the reach, definitely. Have you ever been in a fight in your life? No, I've never been in a fist fight. I've never had any like physical contact with anybody. I've always tried to stay out of it. That's fine. No, I respect that. So you're beginner's luck when we get into the scrap. Let's talk about baseball again for a second because obviously, just like this podcast, we go off the rails. Fuck it. That's what guys do. We're guys, guys. So the next question that I wanted to ask is: Is what adjustments have you made this off season to kind of prepare for the for for like spring training? Uh, I think the only adjustment that I made was really just preparation. Uh, last year and even the year before that, I was just doing way too much in the off season. I was throwing way too intensely. Uh, the volume was way too high. So this off season, I kind of wanted to just treat it like it's your off season. Uh, take some time off. If in January there's a day you don't want to throw, just don't do it. You're in really no rush. So I'm just kind of going into spring training as treating it like spring training like i'm getting ready for the 2020 season i'm not trying to like i'll be ready to go and uh once game one hits but by no means am i just like trying as hard as i can to break the team break break camp with the team because uh not to say that it's completely out of reach my goals are obviously still high and i'm going to try to do that uh it is uh an unrealistic option and i don't want to have to hurt my chances of making the team later in 2020. Yeah. Is there like a, is there like an appearance that you had so far in your minor league career? I don't know if I've already asked this. That was like when like your best performance so far as a, as a professional baseball player, do you have a start in mind where you're like, that was the best I've ever thrown in my life? Besides obviously that spring training appearance. Uh, yeah, there was a game in the fall league this year that I pitched in that I thought I threw the ball so well. Uh, it was a second outing against Glendale, uh, and I didn't walk anybody, which was like the first time I've ever done that uh, in my professional career, I think, where I, I think I struck out like eight and five, and I didn't walk anybody. I remember that game. I was just so nailed. And then my double-A debut, where I struck out 11 and six, was like, those would probably go hand-in-hand, hand, was like, with, you know, some of the best outings I've had. Yeah, and, and let's let's talk about the opposite side here. Let's keep you humble here. Is there a home run? Because you said you've given up a couple nukes. Is there a home run that you gave up in your career that you think in your mind was like, this is the furthest ball I've ever seen hit in my life off of me? Yeah, Joe Adele in the fall league this year hit a ball probably 470 off me. It was it was horrifying. It was so loud. <laughs> what do you do in that situation? Like, are you looking at the umpire and saying, give me another fucking ball? No, I wasn't all that. I was throwing the ball well. I think we were winning at the time, and it was just a solo home run, but... I got 2-0 on him. I was like, I mean, I can probably just beat this guy down the middle. Of course I didn't. <laughs> he, takes How? Ball, he takes his ball over left center, and I'm just, like, looking at him. I'm just like, oh, my God, dude. That was insane. And, like, I, I got – I finished the, the fifth inning, and I was walking, like, by his dugout uh, after I was going inside to do my arm train and everything, and I saw him up in the row. I was like – is that, is that all you got, Joe? You didn't want to hit any farther or harder? <laughs> How weird is that in the fall league? How weird is that, though? Like, you're literally – there's guys on your team that are, like, from other organizations. Like, are people talking to each other, like, friendly or buddy-buddy with all and all that? 
Dude, the Fall League is the coolest baseball experience for me because, like, you get so – not to say that I don't like the people that I'm with the Astros, but, like, you kind of get burnt out, burnt out, like, with the people that you're around and, like, you're all talking about the same thing with the same organization that's, like, all the same ideology. Uh, but then when you get to separate organizations, like, essentially four other ones that you have no idea about and you meet new people, you hear about their organization, what they do wrong, what they do right, their gripes and complaints about everything and, like, how much they either love it or hate it. And luckily, I've had the opportunity to do that with, I've had the opportunity to do that twice. So I've had, you know, eight separate organizations that I now know about um, just from from people. So like from a, from a friend aspect, I've made tons of friends through the following, but also from an information aspect, it's like really helpful in case I get traded and I like know what to expect. Yeah, exactly. And were you there in the fall league when Vladdy was there? I was, yeah, last year. What was that thick son of a bitch like in the minor, in the fall league? Was he just mashing? Yeah, I always tell people that he is the one of the best hitters I've ever thrown to. I mean, he's just he's just got it, man. He's he's a solid guy. What is he lifetime against you? One for two. One for that's three. all right. Was it was, one, was it no, one for four? He's one for four. Oh, oh, we got the Vladdy killer over here. This guy matches up against Vladdy. I didn't strike him out though. So, what was it? Was it a hit? What did he get? A single off you or a double? I hit a. Uh, he had a, I think he hit. It was a. It was a single the way it was hit, but I think he stretched it out into a double. Vladi has burners on him, man. He's low key kind of fast, like for yeah, a guy that's not thick. It was like it was like a liner over the shortstop's head, kind of bled through the left fielder and center fielder, and I think he got the second. I could be wrong, but I think it's on YouTube somewhere. Someone fact checked that for us and let, let us know. But this is another question about uh, the Fall League. Is there, was, like, who's, like, obviously, I don't even know if this is about the Fall League, actually. It's just my dumb brain not thinking about the question properly. Is there a couple guys, is there a guy in the Astros system that is so good that doesn't get the recognition that you think he deserves? Yeah, Brandon Bielak, 100%. <laughs> really? Uh, yeah, dude. People don't, like, talk about him that much, which is absolutely ridiculous because he's so damn good. And, I mean, I've seen him pitch for the last couple of years, and that guy is just nailed. And he's going to come up to the big group this year with the Astros, and he's really going to make a name for himself because that guy's just ridiculously good. Okay, so Brandon Belock, we're going to make a name for you. You're going to come on this podcast. We're going to make it happen. We need to get this guy. Why Why is he so, like, is there is there reasons why he's not, like, recognized as much? Or I don't know. He was an 11th rounder in 2017. I think just, like, at the time when we had all those pitching prospects, it was, like, with me and Corbin and JB and then a couple of the Latin dudes, I think he just kind of got like washed out. Like people still knew about him, but he was kind of at the end of the spectrum. And like me and all my friends obviously knew him like at the time that like he was really good. Like everybody knows he's really good. Um, but for some reason just like doesn't really get the attention he deserves. But what makes him awesome is that he literally doesn't give a shit. Like, uh, so he's, he's really good about it. Like he's got a really great head on his shoulders Really great pitcher, one of my good buddies. So I'm excited to see where you know things take him in 2020. Yeah, and talk about Blair because obviously people don't know this. I wanted to mention this. The reason why you actually came on this podcast because Blair DM'd you should come on this, and you're like, I'm down, obviously. So did, did you did you play with Blair a little bit? Like, how do you like know Blair? Yeah, I met Blair in an area code tryout uh, before our senior year. That was the first time I met Blair, uh, and then we're obviously both from Texas. Um, so I think we saw each other around 
uh, when I went to go visit my buddies at the University of Texas. I, I saw him around a couple of times. And then when he got drafted by the Astros, I was super fired up because I know he's a great pitcher. Uh, and it's good to have another Texas guy um, to chill with um, with the Astros squad. So, yeah, I mean, he's a, he's a great dude, good pitcher too. He's also a kind of guy that doesn't get the recognition that I think he deserves also. Like last year, I think he at one point had like a .62 ERA in the whole year, which is bananas. It doesn't even make sense. I feel like that's also a guy that's kind of low-key, doesn't get that kind of respect. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like in his defense, like it's 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 just hard to get like any sort of recognition like really early on unless you're like a first or second round pick. Like unless you got like millions yeah. of dollars, you're just not going to get the recognition right off the bat. But like uh, – Obviously, I know that he's very talented, and I think he's just going to, like, roll through wherever he starts next year, and it'll eventually come. Yeah, for sure. And uh, th- this is Blair. If you're listening to this, you're a beauty. Thank you again for getting this guy on the podcast. A legendary interview right here so far. I want to ask. It, I want to finish this off with a question that kind of hits the, hits home for you. When you get that call to the big league, man, I mean, is that something that you've kind of ran through in your head, like just the situation of you getting that call, like you're going to the big league for it, big leagues for us? Yeah, man. Um, I've thought about it all the time, like in a million different scenarios. But I know, like at this point, uh, since with all the stuff that I've been through, like all the success and all the failure, um, it's gonna mean a whole lot more than if I would have gotten it a little bit earlier, just because I've, I've, you know, I've experienced some heartbreak. Um, so it's gonna mean a lot, just because I know that I've there's just been so much that I put into this, uh, and it'll be good to see. Uh, some sort of reward at the end of the tunnel, but the that's just going to be the first. That's going to be the first uh, challenge faced, and then I gotta then I gotta stay there. So that's going to be yeah. going to be the most important thing. Who's the first person you're going to call when you get that when you get the call to the big leagues? I, I thought about that. I'm going to try to like group Facetime my mom and my dad so they don't like gripe and complain about who I called first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I honestly, I, I was, I was. I was trying to set you up there because I thought you were going to say my girlfriend and that would have got you roasted in the big league change room. So thank God you didn't say that. Maybe she'll, you'll call her second. Nah, she'll be third. I'll call my parents, my grandma, maybe my siblings and I'll call her. Okay. Just, yeah. Whenever it happens, whenever it happens, hopefully I can get the inside scoop. Let me know. And I'll just tweet it out and people will be like, how the fuck does this dumbass former Juco player know that Forrest Whitley's making his debut today? Yeah, I mean, I wish I could tell everybody, but I think, like, once you get that information, they tell you, like, pretty aggressively to keep it under wraps because they can't, like, announce it or anything until they put you on, like, a roster or something like that. Uh, so, yeah. That's okay. Every time that the Astros have, like, a little bit of, like, like a guy not in a starting spot, I'm just going to pre-announce that Force Whitley's making the spot start there and just see it just keep going and keep deleting it until it actually happens. Yeah, let's just talk it into reality until it happens. <laughs> so there you have it, man. Thank you for hopping on this podcast, bro. That, the former first rounder, the number one prospect in the Astros, number three right-handed pitcher. He's a little pissed about it, but whatever. It's fine. He's going to be in the big league sooner than later. Thank you for hopping on this, man. You're a legend. It means a lot, and um, I'll, I'm fired up for this. The people are going to love this. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me on. I enjoyed it. 